Other people's actions can leave you picking up the pieces years after they occur. This is the case for Gail Steves, author of Not My Own. Her life has never been the same since the night, Wednesday, November 14, 1990. Bad things do happen to good people. Life happens, and sometimes not in the way we choose. On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, Gail Steves. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, the show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davidedy.com. Now here's your host, David Eady. So with me today is Gail Steves. She is the author of Not My Own. Gail, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. Like just before we started, I talked about how we were, how, how I am partway uh, through your book. And I think it's a, an amazing book, amazing read. Um, so why don't we just start at the beginning? Tell me about the, the night of Wednesday, November 14th, 1990, and how it changed your life. Well, it changed my life in a way that it basically turned it upside down. I was 19 years old, and basically there was like three gunshots, and our family was basically torn apart. When it was the three gunshots, what happened with the three gunshots? So what happened, um, I'll kind of give like a quick little thing here. So the person that, there was somebody that came to our door and asked to speak to my older brother, and he was kind of a family acquaintance, and he had told him that he shot a deer in his truck, so he went out there to see it. And my younger brother, who was 14, followed behind. And then just a few minutes later, we heard gunshots. And then my younger brother come running in and said that he'd been shot. Our older brother had been shot. So it it happened so quickly. And this is where I tell people that that's when I became one of the other people that bad things happened to. Yeah. Like it's that quick. Like it's just a matter of seconds and everything just changes. So... So tell me about your your brother. What kind of guy was he? Uh, he was funny, um, very, very old school. Um, he liked to tinker around on vehicles. He liked to go in mud bogs with his four by four. Um, just kind of like a homebody, like just he got along with everybody. He was funny, um, just a hard worker. Right. When when this tragedy hit your family, were, were your are your were your parents still alive at the time? Your mom and dad, or you know, how how did it change the family and the family dynamics? Well, we were all actually sitting at the living room table when it happened, so all of us were home: my mom, my dad, uh, myself, my and my little brother. So it, it, everything kind of happened so quickly. And then, like, we didn't realize that he was actually dead because when he was shot the first, like, because there was three shots, we heard him scream. And then when we went out there to see if we could help, I just remember that we shone, like, the headlights on where he was. And we were going to try and take him to the hospital, but we quickly realized, like, he wasn't going to be going anywhere kind of thing. Like, it was mm-hmm. just that shock. And then it wasn't until the police came later and said that the other guy was dead, too. Like, he then we realized that like it kind of sunk in, but it just, it honestly happened so quickly that we just, we just didn't even know what to do. Right. Like we, and my family never really talked about anything. Like I remember going to the funeral and I just didn't show any emotion because we were not raised to show emotion like that. So it was, you know, on one hand, you're trying to grieve your brother, but on the other hand, you're trying to keep up a a front so that you don't break down in public. So yeah, it was kind of like two battles there. And, and you, you write a little bit about how 
your mom was affected in the book because this is you know you're right it's you always hear about a, a tragedy happening and then you hear about you never really think about as you say the other people and and it you know bad things happening to good people you know your mom she's just there you know um at the table with her family and then this happens so how did how did that affect her? That destroyed her. She would cry herself to sleep every night, like sobbing. And then actually what happened is about four years later, she ended up getting terminal lung cancer. So so she actually passed away just over four years later. The doctor said it was from smoking because it was in her lungs, but I think it was just from the trauma too. Like I it just, she was never the same, right? Right. So, yeah. So, so having gone through this tragedy uh, and, and I can't even fathom, you know, the, you know, what's, you know, the loss and it, it, it's, I mean, it, it's changed the, the dynamics of your family forever. Why did you decide to write this book? Well, I started actually journaling. It started, this book was never, I never knew it was going to be a book. I just, there were so many things that was going on and I just decided to write everything down and kind of as I kind of got writing uh, somebody had said to me one day like well why don't you just write a book and I thought well how could I write a book right like people aren't going to believe this stuff mm -hmm. um, right. so I yeah and I just start, kept writing and writing and writing and I just one day I just kind of got the nerve and I thought well you know what like my family's business has been so public and I couldn't control that so this was something that I could control I could control my my part of the story right like so that was important for me. So was it so was it cathartic for you to do the exercise? Did it help you? What did you learn about yourself while you were writing it? Because now you're sharing a, a, a deeply, a deep story, a, a terrible story, tragedy happening in a family, and you're sharing it with the world. What, what did you learn from it? I learned that I'm one person that this happened to. And if I could help another person, like there's so many people that go through stuff, but I, I learned, I found strength. Like I didn't think that I could actually do it. Like I was, I almost talked myself out of it just because of the judgment, because people were so judgy. Right. But they don't realize that that could be like their family. Right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was very healing. If, if you could say there was one thing, because you said you started a journal and then it became a book. What was your, your, your end goal? What were, you, what were you thinking that would people would, uh, you wanted to help someone out there? Because what, what, you, clearly you want to speak to an audience. So who's the audience that you wanted to talk to? I wanted to speak to people that have gone through like loss and tragedy, but I wanted to catch them hopefully at the beginning of their journey and not be like 30 years later like me, mm -hmm. because I feel like I've wasted so much time living in fear and just not dealing with stuff properly. So if I could let people know that there is hope and that there are other people out there that have gone through stuff, like just that would be my big thing is just to not let them um, suffer as long as they have to, or as long as they think they have to. Yeah. You, you just mentioned about fear. What fear did you have? I became afraid of everything. I was afraid because the night that my brother died, like my first brother, I was the one that answered the door. So I, I had a lot of guilt for a long time thinking like, well, what if, what if I wouldn't have answered the door? What if I would have done this? So those what ifs kind of took over my life. So yeah, it, it just, I was fearful of everything. If I would hear a backfire of a car, I would immediately be triggered and think it was a gun. And, so, and, and you said your little brother went out, was also out there when it happened. How, how did he cope at such a young age? 
Um, sadly, he didn't cope very well because we didn't have the tools as a family to kind of hold things together. So he actually got into the drugs. And then by the time my mom was, was getting sick, he had turned, like my youngest brother had turned 18. So then he had to bury not only his brother, but his mom, like a few years later. Right. So he became into the very, very heavy drugs. He, he never dealt with any of the trauma. And so he, sadly, his life, he had, ended up dying of a drug overdose in 2000. Wow. And it, it's just, and it was actually on my daughter's third birthday that he passed away. Like, it's just an unbelievable, like he was in a coma for about nine days, but he had, had so much brain damage. Um, just, he, had, he went without oxygen for so long, right? Right. So, so it's just a, it's just unbelievable. Like, it's like, like I said, you can't make this stuff up. Right. Mm -hmm. So he, he just didn't, he didn't uh, cope at all. So how do you, how do you cope? It's, it's all about your mental health. Um, I know it's something that's probably never going to leave you, but um, how do you cope and how do you take care of yourself and your mental health? That is a work in progress. (laughs) Um, I've always had jobs where I've actually helped people with their struggles. So that's kind of helped me because I'm helping others. If I go for walks, if I read, if I talk to a friend, that kind of helps me. But honestly, I tell people, like I've had people ask me, like, how do you deal with the grief? And I tell them that it's your, it's going to be your constant companion throughout life. Like I've told them, like, you have to coexist with grief. It's that annoying person that, that never, he may leave for a little bit, but it's kind of always still around. Right. You've had so much and what I, what I like about the book is how how raw and how honest you are with your story, and it is going to help a lot of people. But I, I want to lighten a little, lighten it up a little bit this conversation because I know in the book you've got some random facts about you. <laughs> yeah. So let's. So tell me three random facts about you that uh, you want people to know. I mean, there's 60 of them, and we haven't got all that time. But what are three random facts about you? Oh, oh, there's quite a few of them, I guess. Well, I'm not, I can't remember all the ones in there, but I know, like I talked about being an introvert, I'm an introvert, but I can also be a social person if I'm around the right people. Right. Um, But but are you an introvert? Are you an introvert if you've written a book and you're sitting on a podcast (laughs) talking to somebody? I don't know. I guess that's kind of a tricky question. (laughs) I think you've moved on. I think um, you you need to scratch that off. I think you got 59 random facts about you. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So give me another one or or should Um, I pull one from the book? Sure. Yeah, that might be better. (laughs) Okay. So there's sick, there's so many of them and you can't even think of another one about you. Just a second. Look at this. We're doing okay. Um, Okay. You've had nine surgeries in your life. You're very afraid of frogs and toads. (laughs) I used to pretend that I liked them when I was a kid. How about now? Have we, have we moved on from that problem? Okay no, I'm still terrified of them. <laughs> are you? Okay. Yeah. Have you won any money? Because your favorite number is uh, 13. Are you, are you playing the lottos with that? Or are you, how are we doing with that? Yeah, yeah I still have never won nothing. <laughs> okay, maybe you should change your number. Um, let's see. Um, you're not a morning person. I've tried to be, but it just doesn't work. How's that? Are, are, we, are um, we getting up now? Well, I, my job is making me get up in the morning now. So I, I'm trying to be a morning person, but I need my coffee. <laughs> Okay. I can usually make a good judgment of a person after only being around them for five or 10 minutes. Okay. We've talked for seven, eight minutes. How am I doing? Oh, you're good. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So then, all right, fine. Yeah, good. Yeah, you pass. <laughs> okay. right, thank you. So 
you these are these random facts you've you've gone through this this tragedy but i'd like to know you know people when you go through a tragedy like you have or any anybody's gone through a tragedy everybody will goes well you know things will go back to normal for you is the new normal is there such a thing i think i'm still trying to find that i really because i kind of you know like life goes on and stuff like i remember when my mom passed away um, like she passed away in January of 95. And then two months later, I was pregnant with my first child. So mm -hmm. I was busy, like I was kind of occupied. So that kind of took me into a new normal for a little bit. And then I had my second child like 14 months later. But what happened because of the trauma is I became a helicopter parent. So that fear, like it was just that fear all the time, right? So right. I think with me, I'm just, I'm still trying to find the new normal. Like it's an everyday process. So, so you, you would say you're like a, still a work in progress? Absolutely. Yeah. Being that work in progress, are, have you, have you, have you had therapy to help you with your mental health or, or what is, what is it you do that, that you can get through each day? And you know that because you're doing a great job, you know, you, you're raising your kids and you, you smile and you've got, uh, I was going to say 60 facts about you, but we've wiped off mm -hmm. one of them. So there's actually 59. So <laughs> what, what is it that you hope to achieve? What are your goals going forward? Just for me, I guess, is just to just keep on going on, right? Like I always tell people that going through the tragedies that I have has made me realize that not one of us is guaranteed tomorrow, right? So trying to do mindfulness, like I have grandkids now. And so they literally make you be in the moment, right? So we, I think we need to just find that inner child and just, because that's all we're guaranteed, right? So for me, it's just to not worry so much about the past or the future, but to try to enjoy like all we really have is the, the now, right? So I have actually seen therapists in the past. It took me a few years to find one that actually fit. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that was actually pretty good for me just to have somebody that actually would listen and kind of sort things out. But honestly, I was afraid to go to one because I didn't think that they would believe me all the stuff that had happened. Yeah. Like I thought they would just think it's such an outrageous story. So I think also by you having grandkids and I'm going to be becoming a grandfather uh, later this year. Um, oh, nice. I think, do you think that having the grandkids that everything is new to them and you're seeing life for a second time through their eyes? in terms of everything's new for them. Everything was black and white before, but now they're seeing everything in color and you're, you're seeing it in color again as well. And life looks different. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Like there, there's like, a, it's like you get like a do-over almost, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 So, so what do you suggest to anyone who's gone through a tragedy and a loss to try not to, how do they, how should they move on in their lives? In your, you would suggest? I would say that they have to, to grieve the life that they thought they were going to have. I think I've heard Oprah Winfrey say something like that before, but you have to let go of the life that you thought you were going to have and kind of accept that you couldn't change anything about it. And just, and then once you have the tools to do different, you can do different because a lot of times we grieve, like for me, like I grieve the fact that my mom didn't get to see grandkids. I didn't get to be an aunt to my brothers. Like they, you know, they didn't get to have kids or nothing either. So there's a lot of uh, things that I feel like I kind of got ripped off. You know, so I have to accept that I can't change that and just be happy and focus on what I do have. You also have in the book, you talk about what you've learned so far. So what have you learned so far? I've learned that um, it is true. What doesn't kill you does make you stronger. That is true. I've learned that it's okay to not be okay all the time. 
you know, and I've just, I've learned that nobody is immune to tragedy or addiction or mental health issues. Yeah. Like we're all kind of in this together and, and it doesn't matter what kind of money you have, what kind of status. Um, I had an aunt that told me one time that you never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. That's true. So That's you, true. you can't, yeah, like you can't take anything with you. And when you, if you see somebody's obituary, like they don't talk about all the things that they wish they would have done. It's, this is what they did do. <laughs> and that's what, they'll, that's what they'll be remembered. So yeah. after reading your book, what do you want people to learn? What should they take away your, your journey, reading your journey? I think that it's okay for them to be honest about how they feel. And, and the biggest thing would be to not be afraid to reach out and, and know that they're not alone. You know, because when something like that happens, like when, like with my first brother that passed away, like it was a murder suicide and it was all over every newspaper. And it was just like, everybody had an opinion on stuff. Right. And then when my little brother died, like he died of a drug overdose, that was made very public as well. And people can be pretty cruel, right? Like they can be very, very cruel. So I I think I want people to just know that they can hang in there. And it doesn't matter what people are going to say, because they're always going to, there's always going to be people that are going to be judgmental, but you just have to kind of, kind of weed through that, I guess. Well, it's, I'm, like I said, I'm part halfway through the book, actually three quarters way through the book. I think it's, it's a great read. It's going to help a lot of people, especially when it comes to, to managing grief. Um, your story is amazing. And I think you it's a testament to you that you, you know, it's been dark and you've gone through this journey and there's clearly a lot of positive light in your life, life right now with their grandkids. And they probably make you smile every time yeah. you see them make you feel good. And I and just just looking at you right here, as soon as I mentioned them, your eyes lit up and you feel good about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, I want to thank you for taking the time being with me today, sharing your story. If people want to um, get a copy of the book or uh, do you have a website, how, how can, uh, where's the book available? Um, it's really available anywhere. It's on Amazon. It's at the Friesen Press uh, bookstore. Um, I do have a website and it's just, it's just the name of my book. Like it's just Gail Steve's not my own. They can okay. just link to that. Again, once again, I wish you all the best, even more brighter days ahead. I, I can feel it. You're, you're such a sweet individual and appreciate you so much for taking the time to be here today. Gail Steves is the author of Not My Own, and she's been a guest here on Executive Health Podcast. So Gail, hopefully, maybe we'll talk a little bit uh, down in the future again. I'd like to follow up with you and see how you're doing. What's, okay, what's that happening sounds great. Uh, so once again, thanks again for being here. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter. 